It's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. Each Sunday evening and Thursday evenings, for that matter, we try to come online and bring a message from God's Word. That's what we're going to attempt to do this evening. Hopefully you're going to find it to be beneficial and uplifting, and I pray that you will listen attentively and share it with as many people as you can and help me uh, get this message to as many people as possible. If you're listening on KPGZ, uh, the radio station in Kearney, Missouri, I'd like to welcome you. And if you have any questions about this broadcast or, or uh, anything else we've ever broadcasted before, you can always write to me, uh, email, or you can call me at uh, 816-686-9517. That's 816-686-9517. Keep in mind, I'm in the central time zone because some people listen on the radio outside of Kearney. They download the uh, KPGZ app and they listen live from anywhere in the world as long as they have internet access. You can also email, as I said before, gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. Now, we're also podcasts, so that would be uh, true for those who are listening on the podcast. You can uh, reach me by phone, text, or email. And we are also on Facebook Live and YouTube. And so for those who are on Facebook and YouTube or watching, hey, Go ahead and leave a comment in the comment section. Give us a like and share it with as many people as you can. And uh, thank you for joining us. And like I said, to those who are listening on the radio, it applies to you too. We pray that uh, you're uplifted by the message that uh, we have for you this evening. And that message is a good message. And I think you're going to find it beneficial. It was good for me to listen. You know, it's uh, always important to go back to the teachings of Jesus, to listen to the things attentively to what he had to say. And one such uh, message that he had, he started off his ministry with, was known as the Sermon on the Mount that we read about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And there's, you know, most people look at that, and, and rightfully so, they're amazed that Jesus is teaching as one having authority. And many times in that sermon, he would say, you know, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. Meaning, and because he was talking to the Jews, you know, you've heard Moses say, but uh, he's now, I'm saying, I'm I'm, I'm saying something else. And uh, he was drawing attention to his words over that of uh, uh, the law that was given through Moses. That's, that is, if you were a Jew at that time, that's, that's, that's something. But, uh, and it's something we need to take note of, that Jesus uh, was teaching as one that had authority. And, uh, of course, we, we know he did have authority. He was God. So, of course, he had authority. Uh, it was his finger that wrote the Ten Commandments. So, uh, yeah, he, he wants to, if he wanted to do something different, he had the right to do so. And so that's what he was going to do. He came to this world not to teach his will, but that, of the will of the Father, and whatever the Father told him to teach, that's what he did. And uh, but we go back to his teachings, and we learn much from it. Not just the fact that he had authority, 
But there was something in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, I took note of, and I think it would be good for us to talk about because it's it'd be very beneficial, I think, in the uh, uh, study of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the, the marks of distinction that Jesus gives. Now, remember, he's basically identifying with these marks in Mark uh, 5, 6, and 7, and Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, what he's doing is he's basically telling the world, these, these, these are going to be my disciples. This is how you're going to know them. And, uh, you know, if you're ever wondering whether or not God is pleased with you, well, one such way you can do so. And of course, there's many marks of distinction that are given in the New Testament. But one such thing is to start right there in the, in the, the Sermon on the Mount and start comparing some of the things that Jesus identified so that we can know whether or not we're a disciple of Jesus. Now, somebody may say, well, I am a disciple of Jesus. Well, how do you know? I mean, you may say you are, but is the proof's in the pudding. Are you doing what he said that you would be doing? I'll give you an example. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, right off the bat, he says, you are the light of the world, talking about his disciples. And what does he do? He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jerusalem was one such hit city. Jerusalem, if you come to, to, uh, to try to go to Jerusalem from the Mediterranean Sea, it's all uphill. Uh, Jerusalem's right at the top of a hill. And when you get there, it's like on a bluff. You'll just go straight down. You'll lose a lot of elevation as you go down to the Jordan River. Jordan River is what they crossed to enter into the Promised Land, if you remember the Israelites, when they were led by uh, Joshua. But uh, needless to say, Jerusalem was such city. If you were going there at night, uh, their lights would be shining because it's up on a hill. You'd be able to uh, see their torches, I guess, or candles or whatnot. It would, whatever glimmer it had, it would have been apparent because it, it would be up high. And so a Christian is compared to that. A Christian, a disciple of Jesus, is like that. Uh, like He's like a city on a, on a hill. And so people should be able to look up and look at your life and see this light that should be shining. And so that's how Jesus says that uh, his disciples are going to be identified because people are going to be able to see what they're doing. I mean, their life is going to reflect Jesus Christ, and it's not going to be hidden. Uh, notice how he ended this passage. He said the reason that the Lord wants it this way he says, so that they, being those who are outside of Christ, may see your good works and give glory to your fathers in heaven. In other words, you're going to be able to lead people to Jesus just by being like Christ. And so that's what the Christian needs to focus on is the fact that not only do they have to preach the gospel, they have to live the gospel. In other words, they need to uh, not be hypocritical, but reflect the very things that uh, they stand for, which, of course, is what Jesus 
told them to believe. And so we're going to discuss some of these marks of distinction that Jesus brought up, and we're going to look at the passage, and I, I hope, again, that uh, you're going to be able to examine your life to make sure that this is something that you're involved in. Now, the first mark of distinction would be love, because Jesus mentions this, and I want you to look in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 43 through 48. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that they may be sons, that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, you're going to have to love those people who don't love you. That's the contrast. That's a mark of distinction. And he made it very clear. Those who are outside of Christ, they love those who love themselves. They love their families. Uh, they love their friends. They love the people who are good to them. It's just reciprocal love. And, and we love those, too. That's that's a good thing. Jesus teaches how we should love our families. There's nothing wrong with that. That's all said and good. But there's a difference between a Christian's love and the love of one who is not a Christian. The one who is not a Christian, well, he might be more in thinking about uh, getting even with those who are mean to him. He may be thinking about holding a grudge. Uh, he may not care for those people who don't love him. Well, Christians don't act that way. What Christians do is they love those who are mean to them. They love their enemies, and uh, they, they're always trying to do what's best for them. They, they, they pray for them. They do good for them. And so that's, that's different than the world, and it is very, very hard. But you got to remember, notice how he said that. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not going to be easy acting like God. That's not easy. Okay, that's going to take a lot of work. That means we're going to have to change the way we think, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. Transform our minds. <laughs> we're, we can't, uh, um, oh, as he put it, uh, give an eye, an eye for an eye. And, and we, we can't do that. We can't live like that. We have to make sure that we show love for uh, uh, those who persecute us, as like Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Uh, he prayed for to the fathers. He was being stoned that uh, he would uh, uh, show mercy to those who were stoning him, as Jesus asked for the same when he was hanging on the cross. Now, why would they do that? Because they understand the wrath of God is great, and what these people were doing, they were willing to die in order to try to save them. That's that's the extent of the love that they had. Now, Stephen learned that from Jesus, but he, he did learn it, and he practiced it. And so we have to learn that as well, and we have to practice that. Now, you know, you can go to passages like 1 Corinthians 13 that discuss love, and that makes it very clear. You can do everything that the Lord says perfectly. 
But if you don't have this love, it's not going to profit you anything. You have to focus on love. God wants your heart to be filled with this. And so that's something you're going to have to think about. You know, can I do this? And I think you can. And so start practicing it. First thing to do is to include the Lord. You need to ask God to help you change your heart so that it's filled with love and that you're going to start loving those who are mean to you and doing good for them. And uh, like I said, it's hard to do, but include God right in the beginning. And with God, all things are possible. And I'm sure God would be very, very happy to receive such a prayer from someone who wants to love as he, as he does. And so pursue that. That's a marked distinction. That's something we need to focus on. Another mark of distinction is practicing righteousness. You know, when I practice something or, or have I practiced in the past, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it, you have to, uh, you know, I, I used to be, now I'm into fishing. I used to play golf and uh, I practiced at it. I got pretty good at it I, I, from, from, for what I wanted to do. Uh, I was able to break 80 which uh, if you're not listening, you know, it's, that's, that's pretty good store, score for an amateur. I, I could break 80 and I was doing it three or four times in a row. And, and my wife said, are you, you know, she goes, are you going to play more than once a week so that you can get your score down? And I told her then, I said, you know, it's really funny. I said, I, I've been practicing and working on my game, but it's, it's been a hobby. Uh, now you're talking about doing something as a job, as a work. I go, I never wanted golf to be that. And it was funny. I, I just, something clicked in my mind because I decided I had gotten as good as, you know, I could, as, for the amount of time I wanted to invest in the game, that's about as good as I was going to get. And, you know, I've, 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 it's been 10 years. I think I've played twice since. Um, it's just no desire. But now I'm doing the same thing with fishing. I like learning about fishing. I like practicing fishing. I don't want to be a pro fisherman, but I practice at it. And we understand what practice entails. It means you got to work at it uh, to get proficient at, at something. Well, those are just hobbies. My occupation is Christianity. I mean, that's something I have taken on. That's something I really want to be good at. And so because of that, I have to practice righteousness uh, because I want to be as good as Jesus. That's the goal. And so I have to really, really work at it. And, uh, and that's practicing daily. And so when we're talking about practicing, that's what we're talking. We're talking about practicing righteousness, right meaning right with God, doing those things that God approves of. That's what we have to be practicing. and. Uh, we have to do it for the right reasons. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that you may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have the, received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, he's saying you want to be like Jesus? Fantastic. 
but do so because you want his praise, not because you want the praise of men. And, and again, you know, start off with the right motive. Don't be practicing righteousness to be seen by other men. And there are those who do things so that they can receive the praise of men. Some people love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Uh, we see that in the Gospels with the Jews. The Jews, there were some who believed that Jesus uh, was a uh, uh, son of God. But the Bible teaches that uh, they were fearful of being cast out of the synagogue, and so they didn't say anything about it because they were they loved the praise of men, as the Bible puts it, more than the praise of God. Don't be like that. Practice righteousness, but do so with pure motive. Now, another mark of distinction is praying. And there's a couple of things we need to say about praying. First of all, he says in Matthew 6, 5 through 6, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, so now he's talking about, again, he's kind of reemphasizing the fact that your motives have to be pure. Don't be doing this to receive the praise of men. Pray to God. Pray to God's great, but pray to God for his praise, not for the praise of men. And then he goes on to Matthew 6, 7, and 8, and he says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he goes on and, and gives that example prayer that many people think is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he reiterates this, I think, in Luke 12, if I'm remembering correctly. Somebody may have to double-check me. But needless to say, all that is is teaching men how to pray. And, you know, it doesn't have to—your prayers— you, know, you can pray to God privately, you know, for long prayers and— and uh, uh, pour your heart out to him, That's you can do that. Uh, Jesus spent all night in prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, in public prayers, you know, be careful. A lot of times there's people who do pray, and they pray long prayers because they want to be seen by men. And you got to be careful about that, because even if you're not saying a long prayer to be seen by men, there may be people who perceive that. And so you got to be you got to be mindful of that. Be careful with that. But needless to say, we need to pray. Praying is something that Christians you should want to talk to God. Um, you know, my son just moved to college, and we're empty nesters now. And, and I really miss my kids. I really miss uh, talking to my son. Um, it's it's there's a spirit in the house that's not here, and so I look forward to calling him at night, and we just visit a little bit, and it kind of helps with the, the heart pain, you know. But uh, needless to say, do I have the same desire to talk to God? You know, that's, that's something that I have to ask myself. We need to pray, and, uh, and this should be something that we desire to do. Okay, another mark of distinction is fasting. Fasting is not really commanded anywhere. It was something the Jews practiced. But uh, it's brought up in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I, I really believe fasting was used. This is uh, what I think of when I think of in my studies. I think they used fasting to remind them of something they were trying to accomplish. 
So like, for instance, let's say you're, you're wanting to pray for somebody who's in the hospital and you might fast during the day. And every time you felt a hunger pain, it would remind you why you're doing that because you wanted to remember to pray for that uh, friend who's in the hospital. Um, fasting is, it's a, it's a tool. You can do it. You don't have to do it. Everybody fasts. I mean, they, when you go to sleep at night and you wake up in the morning, you fasted. That's why they call it breakfast, <laughs> breakfast, you know, break the fast. So uh, everyone fasts at some point when they're sleeping, but uh, needless to say, the Jews practiced it. And uh, uh, Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter six and verse 16 and 18. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Here we go again, being seen by other people. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, there are things that people do other than fasting that uh, sometimes they want to be seen by men. And uh, sometimes people give great sums of money to the church, and they want everybody at church to know about it because they want the church to come up to them and praise them. That is a bad idea. Uh, what someone gives in the collection is between them and God, and that's where it needs to stay. And uh, if somebody gives a large sum of money and somebody gives a small sum of money, then, um, you know, it's, it's just none of my business. Uh, that is their business, and uh, we should never praise someone because we think they gave them, they gave the church a great sum of money. Uh, that's that's not a good practice to get into. And so we need to be mindful of that. And uh, uh, of course, that would apply here uh, with uh, fasting. If somebody's giving money, for instance, to the church and they're doing it to receive the praise of men, that would be wrong. Worldly concerns is another mark of distinction. Being concerned about the things of this world. And people do. I have too. From time to time, I have to remind myself that this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. I can't get too caught up in some of the things when the old bill collector knocks on the door. But uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's right. Each day has its... It's own share of trouble. 
and uh, it can be hard to get through each day and we need to be focused on that but you know all too often because of our anxiety about the future we take precautions to try to preserve things for ourselves like the man in the bible who built bigger barns um we got to be careful about that you know i've i've known brethren who had great sums of money saved up for their retirement and yet there'd be somebody who is sincerely needed help uh one because they were lazy they just needed help but the brother did not draw from those funds because he thought he was going to need them later in life. And how sad is that? Uh, he's putting his faith in money, and you cannot put your faith in money. Money loses value. Money sometimes just goes away. I mean, money sometimes has no value at all. It can just disintegrate uh, as far as value goes. Uh, there can be a change in currency. Uh, all these things. I mean, dollar goes up and down in value. We shouldn't put faith in money. And uh, we should be putting our faith in God. And so don't let that, uh, your anxiety, keep you from practicing righteousness, doing those things that God wants you to do. Don't hold back on taking care of your responsibilities to the Lord just because you're feeling anxious about tomorrow. And then our last mark of distinction is respect for God's authority. That's what this Sermon on the Mount's about. Jesus saying, but I say unto you. I mean, that, that was his authority, and we have to respect that. Uh, God has the right to command. I don't. And because God has the right as creator to command, you know, we have to respect what he has to say. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 Jesus talks about judgment. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know what that word lawless means? That means to act without authority is what he's talking about. And that's why authority is so, so important. We should be seeking biblical authority for all that we say and do in uh, our religious affairs in life, as well as outside. I mean, uh, uh, Colossians 3.17, you know, whatever you say and do, we have to do all uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that's by his authority. So we have to make sure we have authority for everything that we do. We don't want to be a worker of lawlessness. And that's what some people do. Some people offer things uh, like Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10. They offered strange fire to the Lord. Uh, even though it was in his service, they offered him strange fire that he commanded not, and they were stricken dead. And many people today offer up worship to God that he did not command. And they're going to be faced with the same fate. We want to make sure we respect authority. And by respecting authority, that means we look for it. We need to find, you know, when, when a preacher preaches something, we want to make sure and it's in accordance with God's word and it's being rightly divided. All right, these are the points, of the marks of distinction that I'm seeing in the uh, 
uh, Sermon on the Mount. I hope that it's been beneficial to you, and I uh, pray that you'll uh, look at your life and and if there's if you're lacking in one area, hey, make that change, make things right, uh, start making yourself look like the disciple that Jesus is trying to describe in his Sermon on the Mount. Hey, if you're ever in the Kearney, Missouri area, come look us up. We're at 406 North Clark. We met this morning, Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Bible study and 10.30 for worship. We try to do that every Sunday. Love to have you come and, and worship with us and let us meet you. And, and uh, uh, so you're more than welcome to come. You can learn all about the church, but you can look it up, a map, whatever you need. Go to CarneyChurch.com. We're right there. Now, as I said before, if you like this sermon and you want to hear more like it, we do go live. Or we're on uh, every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Central Time on KPGZ 102.7 FM. Download their app. You can stream it for wherever you are, and you can hear, hear me preaching every Sunday morning. And then you can go to church after hearing a lesson. Uh, Berean Spirits is an Internet show you might be interested in. I'm on it with two other preachers where we have a Bible study. We try to look into the scriptures on a different topic each week, and uh, we're trying to study like the Bereans we see in Acts chapter 17. And we invite people who watch on Facebook and YouTube to take part by leaving comments in the comment section. You too can do that by going to carneychurch.com. And uh, if you can't join us live every uh, Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time, that's okay. They're They're up there. You can uh, watch it on Facebook and YouTube at a later time, or you can listen to us on Spotify. Gospel Preaching Live and the Brian Spear Show is both published on Spotify, and you can listen uh, on that and Google Podcast. Okay, that's all I got for you this evening. Again, uh, Lord willing, I will come to you again this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Until then, remember this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes. And to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.